Well, the college football season is back. The Big 12 football season gets going this weekend. And none more intriguing than Kansas State going on the road, kind of, to AT&T Stadium down in Arlington, Texas. Jerry World, as many of you know it. And taking on the Stanford Cardinal. I'm Pete Mundo. We're heartlandcollegesports.com. Let's welcome on Tim Fitzgerald, Go Power Cat. Does an outstanding job covering everything Kansas State Wildcats. And, Tim, let's just start off. I want to turn back the clock to a few months ago when it was announced this game was moving from a home game to AT&T Stadium. I was pretty critical of it at the time, but as we get closer to it, what's the sense you're getting from the team, uh, the fan base around the excitement around this versus, let's say, if it were at Bill Snyder Family Stadium? I think it would be more if it was in Manhattan because it'd be really cool because, I mean, honestly, with Bill Snyder, you just didn't get these games very often. So to have a game of this stature in Manhattan meant a lot to people, and there will be ones coming up in the future. Um, but I, I think people – now have moved on from the argument about whether this game should be here or there and come to realize the importance of this game for the future of K-State football, not only as a a team on the field, but for the program, how the program is perceived, if they can put on a good show from not just the team on the field, but the fans in the stands and show the world that, uh, you know, K-Staters take their football seriously. And, and Pete, if I'm hearing the numbers right, and I, I'm going to try to verify that later today when I'm, I meet with some people, but they're approaching ticket sales that would m- come close to matching season ticket sales, extracting students out of that. Um, so that's, that's pretty impressive to pack up and move a big chunk of your fan base to, you know, eight hours away for a football game. And that's, uh, that's a testament to uh, how loyal this fan base is, but how engaged they are in this season, and I think they understand how important it is. You know, I'm so glad you mentioned that, Tim, and, and you're clearly referring to as well the backdrop of conference realignment and the fact that, you know, these other eight Big 12 schools uh, kind of have a bullseye on them in some capacity in the sport. Uh, they're being looked at as kind of dead men walking. But if K-State packs jury world, and the team has a good, a really good showing uh, against, you know, a, a Pac-12 program that has been down a little bit lately, but has had a lot of success under David Shaw. I mean, that's that's a statement that I think not just K-State needs, Tim, but I think the entire Big 12 could use a statement like that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's It's been really disturbing to me to watch the number of sports media nationally personalities dancing on the graves of the other eight yep like like somehow they're driving this great enjoyment to watching the demise of schools that literally did nothing wrong in this entire situation um it's it's just been really strange to watch because if if you take these eight schools and compare them to let's say the lower 10 or 11 in a 14-team conference or the lower nine in a 12-team conference, uh, dude, they stand up better. Yeah. I mean, if you extracted USC and Oregon alone out of a 12-team Pac-12, the rest of them are in trouble. They mm-hmm. really are. Mm-hmm. And uh, the lack of understanding that every conference has its Oklahoma and Texas, you know, and it, it's, it's disturbing to me and uh, really disappointing to watch how some people operate but you're exactly right. 
this game represents an opportunity not just for K-State, for the remaining eight to to make a statement that, hey, the Pac-12 doesn't think we're good enough to be in their conference, uh, but we just handed one of the best academic schools in the country a lesson on the football field. Yeah, I could not agree more. Could not agree more. And, uh, you know, I, I, I always say that Big 12 fans should root for other Big 12 teams and non-conference play for multiple reasons. I think none more, especially if you're one of the other eight, uh, so to speak, than than this week and, and this year. So this K-State team, uh, Tim, you know, I think it's being under underrated. Now, I, I believe that there's five, four to five Big 12 teams that can make a case for being the, the third best team in the Big 12 when all is said and done. And and, you know, K-State can make an argument it's in that conversation. Where are we right now in terms of uh, confidence from Chris Kleiman and what he's got in year three with Thompson back, Deuce Vaughn back, and everybody else? The offensive line is rebuilt after going through a, uh, some issues last year. Where is where is Coach at on, on what he's got here in 2021? There's just a real confidence about everyone associated with K-State football. You know, they come out of last year when they had so many problems in the back half of the season and it all spiraled out of control. You get your senior quarterback back. You've added a lot of quality depth. Uh, You benefited from the pandemic season and the fact that you had to play a lot of different guys. Um, I think this team feels like they've got something to prove. They're picked for seventh in this conference. I just saw one person's rankings of the quarterbacks in the Big 12, and they had Skylar Thompson seventh. And I, I'm not going to argue that Skylar Thompson's All-American or even All-Conference, but, you know, heaven forbid he would beat Oklahoma three years in a row, he might drop to eight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, it's just it's crazy. The, the kid has two of the most significant conference wins in the last couple seasons uh, under his belt, just huge upsets of top five programs uh, being, you know, Oklahoma both times that, it's like, what do you have to do to to make people believe? And apparently it is not wear K-State uniform. And I know that sounds paranoid, but I have been arguing that if you took this purple team and swapped it with the other purple team, the votes would swap because of Texas voters and preseason polls uh, voting TCU up. And I really don't see any difference between these two teams. That's interesting. Very interesting. So uh, you're right. I mean, we look at, around the Big 12 and, and TCU's getting a lot of love uh, this year is a team that can bounce back. They've had three straight mediocre years. But you can make the same case, which I think is your point, Tim, that this is the year that K-State breaks a streak of mediocrity. And in fact, as you noted, I would take Skylar Thompson to win a game today over Max Duggan. I'd probably would t- I would take Skylar Thompson. I've said it on the show. Uh, outside of Brock Purdy or Spencer Rattler to win me one game today, I'd take Skylar Thompson, and it seems like that that really isn't getting factored into the equation at all here, Tim, and I'm not quite sure why. I don't, I don't get it either. I literally don't get it. Unless they're just not doing their homework and they think he's not going to be the same coming off an injury. Uh, but, well, you know, if you're covering this from on the ground here, there's never been one glimpse that there's been a problem with rehab. In fact, everyone's saying somehow he's stronger than ever because – you know, he had that shoulder and pec muscle kind of rebuilt and and rehabbed, and now he's throwing the ball harder than ever. So, do you got to play the games, man? Yeah, I, I, I totally we'll how, agree. See how it pans out. But does he have the playmakers on the outside though? That's been a problem for a couple of seasons. Do you, do, does he have them on the outside at wide receiver this year? You know, that's 
that's the ongoing question I have about this offense is will the receivers hold up? And uh, they, they've shown a great deal of faith in Malik Knowles. I think they've got him back on track after getting derailed a little bit last season on and off the field. And uh, he's really important. I, I'm, I'm a little shocked they didn't go out and add some more pieces at receiver, you know, particularly a, a transfer from another Division One program. They did bring in a junior college receiver late in the process. But, Pete, I also think something to watch out for is they're pretty stacked at tight end and running back. And I think we're going to see a lot of uh, personnel arrangements that, uh, you know, go from two backs and two tight ends to splitting a couple guys out. We've talked about Deuce Vaughn in the slot quite a bit. They've got two really athletic tight ends that they feel like can go out to receiver, you know, like Travis Kelsey's capable of doing. So I think they're going to really do some cool stuff with personnel, and that's one of the things I'm going to be watching down in Arlington. Who who are those guys? I mean, that will be really interesting because I mean we're starting to see more two tight end sets in the Big Twelve. From you know Iowa State right. does it, uh, even you know Oklahoma's dabbling in it here and there. Uh, but you're right, they're kind of Travis Kelsey style of players more than anything else. Who who are those guys? And then also who who if Deuce is in the slot, who's at running back? Well, so it's. It's interesting because when the depth chart came out on Monday, it caught people off guard that the senior Nick Lenners um, is going to still be the starter out there at tight end. Uh, he's more of a traditional tight end, uh, while the backups are the more athletic guys and Sammy Wheeler, who was injured last year. Uh, and, in fact, Courtney Messingham, the offensive coordinator, said they were showing receivers how to run routes, and then they realized, hold on, that's, that's Sammy, that's a tight end. And uh, so they, they had to go find some different film to show them receivers. That's how athletic the kid is. And, and the Illinois slash USC slash Florida transfer, um, Daniel Imadabebe, who is hyper-athletic, is probably an NFL guy um, and I think will be the starter eventually. But uh, he's a big athletic kid, not as big as Nick Leonard's in terms of being a tight end, but Boy, he made a catch in the open scrimmage and took off running and, and really, really fast and athletic. And at running back, they got Joe Irvin back from the kid decided to sit out last year for personal health and safety. Regrets it. Um, I didn't know this. He never left Manhattan. He went to school and just didn't play football. So that couldn't have been easy on him. Uh, but he came back in really great shape, and, and they're raving about him. So, I think we're going to see the return of the three-back set that we saw in 2019 more than 20 because they feel like they've got some guys back there that can really run alongside Deuce Vaughn to complement them. Interesting. Tim Fitzgerald, Go Power Cat, is joining us here on the show. So defensively, Tim, where where are we on that side of the ball with, with this team as it currently exists right now, I mean, you know, we know that Wyatt Hubert's gone. There's maybe some questions uh, at each level, frankly, for the defense. So how have we figured out that side of the ball here going into the season? Well, I think they're really actually pretty good along the front. They did a nice job uh, of finding a defensive tackle transfer in Timmy Horn that seems to fit what they want. In fact, you know, he was an okay defensive tackle at Charlotte. He got doubled a lot because he was – uh, clearly one of their better defenders, but he also came in and really got after it in the weight program, and um, they, they're just raving about him. In fact, I, I just it's unprecedented that a transfer kid came in like this and he was named one of the four team captains. So that shows what kind of impact he's had in the locker room as much as on the field. 
defensive end, they're really deep, ironically, after even after losing Wyatt Hubert. Uh, and seriously, they go three deep at both ends, and it gives them an opportunity to really kind of shuffle personnel based on um, tendencies of the opponent and also down and distance. Linebacker, they're a little bit thin. That's my big concern is linebacker. Yeah. Uh, but but then again, uh, Pete, I think we're going to see K State morph its defense into some other things. Uh, once again, when you got the depth chart on Monday, they listed three linebackers, including the the you know Sam linebacker, which they haven't typically had on their depth chart. They've gone with a nickelback in the past. Well, they went back to three linebackers. Uh, I think we're going to see them. More from four three to three four to you know the four two five quite a bit throughout this season. Uh, again, based on who they're playing and what the situational reasons are within the course of a game. The the secondary I feel pretty good about. They really did build up some some nice nice depth between all the players they had to play and the ones that they've gotten back from injury and illness from last year. Yeah, they had some transfers, but then they had they brought in two uh, transfer portal guys that are going to, you know, Julius Brents and Russ Heath that are going to step in and, and start on the back end. So they really helped themselves back there. Tim Fitzgerald. All right, Tim, what I want to roll back to our conversation on the Big 12 going into this strange season uh, with Oklahoma and Texas getting set to leave for the SEC. Uh, we know the Pac-12 is not expanding, so now the Big 12 has put together an expansion committee. What First, I guess it's a two-part question in terms of what do you think should happen? And then also, what is uh, what is the word out of K-State, out of Manhattan, in terms of what is in its best interests? Well, I think we have um, come to realize that the, the eight are sticking together. You know, I was critical, and many people were even more critical of Gene Taylor in the early days of the situation for kind of standing pat and standing up and saying, look, the, these eight schools aren't going anywhere. We're sticking together. Um, and it was a little scary for K-Staters because they thought he was missing the boat, and now appears he was exactly right, and the eight will stick together. They Honestly, they have no other option, um, but they also have so much money on the table with the Grant of Rights contracts and what Texas and Oklahoma owe that no one is dumb enough to pass that up. So I think we're headed to full-fledged expansion. I'm a little upset I wasn't included on the committee. While I know that I'm not part of any athletic department, I have lots of thoughts, Pete, and I just I feel like I I got I've got things to contribute. I think we all recognize that, and uh, I think bringing Tulane and Las Vegas into uh, the conference is really important for me, and they're just ignoring my needs. Uh, Tim, you're too dry for your own good sometimes. Jeez. I'm like, where is he going with this? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I was, I'm really happy they're seriously looking at this. And, again, uh, we're in this situation because of Texas. It's all been because of Texas. They wouldn't let the conference expand in 2016 when they kind of came to the conclusion that they wanted to add Cincinnati and probably Central Florida or BYU, they certainly weren't going to let BYU into the conference uh, based on, uh, you know, the, the school's stance on LBGQ things. And, uh, you know, I now looking back, I realized Texas A wanted to keep the conference under its thumb by having enough votes it could control in 10 schools and also knew that it put the Big 12 in a very vulnerable position and gave them even more power over these schools which is an exercise with this betrayal. But 
I think they'll get busy adding schools here uh, by, you know, year's end, whether that's calendar or school, I'm not sure. And I'm not sure what the uh, actual timetable for those teams joining the conference. But the Big 12 is in good shape to add schools. Um, and the schools are lined up to join the conference. And what do you think the future is media-wise for the Big 12? I mean, is it is you know, ESPN, that relationship is very much fractured uh, for a multitude of reasons. Fox is obviously a partner. But do you think it could be the Big 12 who, who goes down the road of, you know, looking at some of the uh, the cord-cutting options, whether it's a streaming service, uh, you know, whoever it might be, and Amazon. I mean, is that a play for the Big 12? Someone's got to get into this um, industry because CBS losing the SEC in the upcoming years is a big void, um, and not having that third player to go with Fox and ESPN slash ABC is really – Difficult for everyone trying to negotiate the new Pac-12 commissioner mentioned that in the uh, historic alliance press conference that was, you know, very riveting. And he mentioned, you know, we've we've got to bring more entities into this. And he's exactly right because Fox can't really counterbalance ESPN the way we all need it to. And I think you're right. Uh, First of all, we've got to keep CBS in college football in some form. And also, we really need to get an Amazon or Danza or however you pronounce that, someone into the streaming realm for a conference like the Big 12. Particularly, Pete, if they go to 16, um, that is a move intended for the future, intended for a multi-platform grant of rights in which you're dealing with network, cable, and streaming all in one package. And uh, there's partners out there who can do that, including CBS can get you at all three levels and and maybe a lower cost big 12 because it will be everyone your revenue for tv is going down that's just that's the way it's going to be yeah um there's nothing to change that there's nobody you can add you could go get notre dame in nebraska and i'm not sure you'd equal the bucks Mm -hmm. um out of out of the that's how important texas is Uh, it's texas and oklahoma secondary so we'll see how it plays out but uh, i think the big 12 needs to push forward and hopes that and it's a big gamble that the the media world catches up the need for diversity and platforms i could not agree more tim fitzgerald go power cat k-state uh one of the premier games this weekend certainly in the big 12 taking on stanford down in uh, jerry world tim enjoy the trip down there i know it's not new orleans or vegas but i think you'll have a good time my friend thanks so much yeah, at least I can drive there. Nobody <laughs> wants me driving to New Orleans or Vegas. <laughs> I don't want you driving home, most importantly. There you go. <laughs> uh, Tim, we'll talk to you soon, my friend. Thanks so much. Thank you, Pete. He's the man, Tim Fitzgerald, on heartlandcollegesports.com. I'm Pete Mundo. It is game week. Oh, my goodness. And that K-State-Stanford game, one of the top Big 12 games to keep an eye on, no doubt about it. By the way, we're going to have our picks against the spread here coming up. All right, that's coming up before the end of the week. So hang tight, hit that subscribe button on this podcast, all right? Do it there and leave us a quick rating and review, maybe. What do you think? All right, you leave a rating and a review. You've got a free Heartland College Sports cozy coming your way for free. Only way to get it. And we've got 494 ratings. Can we get to 500? What do you think, 500? By the time we get to uh, kickoff on Saturday for all the games, can you do that for us? Six more. That just means six of you. That's you 
I know you want to do it. Hit that five star. We love you guys. And subscribe as well because our picks are coming down soon, all right? Have a great day, and we'll talk to you guys. Games are coming up. I cannot wait. All right, so hit that subscribe button. Talk to you guys soon on heartlandcollegesports.com.